Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. It's the Royal Six, the Cleveland Indians Four. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And what a bizarre game. What a bizarre game last night. We knocked the Royal starter out in the first inning. We put up three runs in the first inning. And now, technically, he got knocked out of the game because he had upper arm soreness. But, I mean, we knocked the starter out of the game after two-thirds of an inning, after giving up three runs. And then we just sit around waiting for the Royals to make a comeback. It really was a bizarre game. I mean, we outhit the Royals 9-6. to We just couldn't put anything together after that first inning. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of this game. It was most likely Aaron Savali's final start of the 2021 season, and it probably didn't go to plan for him. But not much in the month of September has gone to plan for Aaron Savali. He really has not been as sharp as he was before the injury. And so he limps into the uh, you know into the end of the season with an 11 and 5 record. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know, it's just it was a rough loss to the Royals. I mean, it makes the Indians now 77 and 80 on the season. So that loss column is very much creeping up to be a losing season. I mean, they They literally have to put in some work here in the final week of the season if they want to get back to 500. They got to put in the work for it. And they're running out of opportunities. So last night was definitely an opportunity to do that, to get closer to 500. And when you bust open for three runs in the first inning, and it was a good rally. It was a solid rally. The problem was, once you got through the first four hitters in the lineup, Man, uh, Harold Ramirez and Bradley Zimmer had nothing last night. Absolutely nothing. Now, that's not to say they didn't hit the ball hard here. Um, They were smoking the ball in the first inning. Uh, So, uh, Miles Straw starts it off with a double 90.9. That's the second day in a row. 90.9 mile per exit velocity. That's the second day in a row he's led off with a double. Ahmed Rosario would draw a walk. Jose Ramirez would single in the left at 99.2. He hit it so hard that Miles Strong couldn't score from second. I mean, it came right to the left fielder, Benatendi. He was right up with it and got it back into the infield before Strong could even make the turn. So it's bases loaded for Fran Mio Reyes, and he goes 111 miles per hour into right field. It brings in two runs to score. It puts runners on the corners. What a smoking line drive single from Fran Mio Reyes. So a good job of hitting there. And then Harold Ramirez, he hits at 104.5 miles per hour. He just hits it right into a double play. Rally killer right there. The run does come into score, but that's a rally killer from Harold Ramirez. And then Bradley Zimmer would line out at 103.2 miles per hour to, to center field. This is after Brady Singer, I think, exited with like a 2-2 count. It was really bizarre. I mean, it looked... So I tune into this game. I get out the game. I get the game on this on while well, I was watching it on my phone, to be honest with you. I get the game up on my phone, and it's literally as Brady Singer is exiting the field. 
And they're showing clips from like the last time we were in Kansas City when everybody from Kansas City got thrown out of the game by, I think it was Angel Hernandez, uh, was the umpire. And he was just tossing everybody, right? He tosses Matheny. He tosses Brady Singer. They were all pissed off at him. And then they come back, and Brady Singer is out of the game. And I'm thinking, what went down in the first like 15 minutes of this game that I missed? I thought Brady Singer got himself ejected again. The way they were cutting things together, you know, in the broadcast. And then uh, I finally, you know, turned up the volume and realized, no, he left because of injury. And it really looked, on going back on the replay, it looked like Salvador Perez was almost like throwing him out of the game. It, it almost looked like Salvador Perez was like, no, you, you are, something is wrong with you. Like Salvador Perez knew it. He, you are done, kid. You are done. Uh, so, yeah, so... Uh, they ended up bringing in Irving Santana. And, of course, Santana gets Bradley Zimmer to line out. And then Santana would actually uh, settle in and give them three solid innings of relief. He would give up three hits. He would walk two. But he would also have three strikeouts. And he wouldn't let a run score. So Irving Santana you know, puts in the work out of the bullpen. I'm sure something he was not expecting. Again, in the third inning... A rally dies on Harold Ramirez and Bradley Zimmer. Jose Ramirez doubles. uh, A good hustle double from Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez is one of those guys that just crack of the bat. He could take two on almost anything that makes it through to the outfield. And it's not because he's the fastest guy. It's it's the confidence, maybe? Was that weird that I just said it was the confidence in the most unconfident way ever? With a question mark at the end of it? Maybe it's the confidence, just the confidence and the knowledge that he could take second base, and he does it so often, so often when other guys would just settle. Ball he hit an expected batting average of 0.080. He only hit it 85.8 miles per hour. This is not like he smoked one into the corner here. Um, But yeah, he could just take a double whenever he wants to. Salvador Perez would do this to us later in the game. Uh, and Salvador Perez is a much different base runner than Jose Ramirez. Uh, but yeah, so then Framiel Reyes would walk behind him, but a rally would die there with Harold Ramirez and Bradley Zimmer flying out and striking out respectively to end that threat. So, I mean, the Indians kept setting things up. In the fourth inning, they have two on. Roberto Perez walks. Andres Jimenez singles. Uh, Andres Jimenez with a great swing here. He goes the opposite field. And shoots one through the opposite way. Andres Jimenez has actually done a really good job of this all season. Uh, If we pull up his page and look at his spray chart, he has a ton of base hits, singles and doubles, where he just shoots it to left field, where he stays on the ball and shoots it the other way. Now, of course, all his home runs, his five home runs, are all pulling the ball, right? All pulling the ball to right field. That's his power stroke. That's fine. The one thing he's not doing is using the middle of the field. You would expect a few more. There's like one base hit in the center field. One single where he dropped it in the center field. Nothing else in center field. I'm guessing that's something that Andres Jimenez is probably going to have to work on as the season goes on. How How to use the big part of the ballpark to get hits. At least use the alleys, right? At least shoot it up the gap. He's got one double in the right center, one double, or three doubles, I should say, in the alley and left center. 
Um, so again, good job using the opposite field now. Uh, he has a couple of base hits. I'm guessing these are infield singles up the middle. Um, he's got two up the middle. Maybe these are things that deflected off a, you know, an infielder's glove or something like that, or things that he just beat out. Maybe slow dribblers up the middle that he beat out. Um, but yeah, I think using the middle of the field, if I were looking at the spray chart, I'd say, hey, Andres Jimenez, why aren't you using this part of the ballpark? You know, have you have you tried going this way? Um, so yeah, uh, but looking at his splits, looking at his splits, he's actually had a really nice month of September, hitting 279 for the month of September. He hadn't hit he had hit 200 in April, 130 in May. 200 in August, now up to 279 in September. Uh, his on-base percentage isn't that incredible because he hasn't walked it all this month. Uh, 297 on-base percentage, but a 492 slugging. Definitely his best month of slugging and OPS at a 789. So he's hit uh, three home runs this month, driven in nine RBIs, driven in more RBIs than he had the entire season in the month of September. He had had seven RBIs up until this point through three months of baseball. He's now at nine RBIs for the month of September. Yeah, he has struck out still 19 times this month, but he you can't say it's not, you know, better. It's not a better result. Um, he's up to 17 hits this month, four doubles, three homers. I got to say, it's turning out to be a pretty good month. For Andres Jimenez, that, this is the way you want to end the season. If you want that second base job next season, he's doing a pretty good job putting in the work. Now, the Indians would tie things up. I guess the first storyline of this game is the Indians' offense. The Indians would tie things up in the eighth inning. Oscar Mercado would get a pinch hit single, and then Yu Chang would drop a double into right center field, 101.1 miles per hour off the bat. And uh, Oscar Mercado would come all the way around from first to score. Very aggressive uh, by Oscar Mercado. It was a little unclear in the replay if Hudson, the third base coach was, coach, was actually holding him up. But Mercado on the crack of the bat thought, I've got a chance to score the game-tying run, and I'm going for it. And I'm absolutely going for it. He probably did not expect the ball to be cut off. He probably expected that ball to make it to the wall. But at that point, he was committed. Maybe that's what makes base runner special. It's just commitment. And it works. The ball on the throw in hits the mound, pops in the air. Oscar Mercado's safe. He just tied the game. Now, would he have been out with a strong throw? Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe if that ball doesn't hit the mound, if it's a nice one hopper right to Salvador Perez, maybe he's out. But, you know, the old adage in baseball is... They've got to catch the ball, throw the ball, and catch the ball again. All you have to do is run. And it works out in, a, in Oscar Mercado's favor, right? He puts the pressure on. He gets the game-tying run. So it's a good hit from Yu Cheng there. Uh, unfortunately, that would be the end of the rally as Roberto Perez would fly out uh, on a hard-hit ball, and Owen Miller would strike out, pinch-hitting for Andres Jimenez because they had a lefty on the mound. So he goes to the bench and brings in Owen Miller, and he strikes out. Ugh, you question that. Andres Jimenez was hot in this game. I would have liked to see what Andres Jimenez could do. Uh, actually, I could tell you his splits against lefties and righties here. He's only had 34 at-bats against lefties. Uh, has not gone too well for him. Six hits. He's hitting 176 
against lefties in very, very limited opportunities. So I don't know. I feel like a young guy like that, you almost want to see. You almost want to give him a chance. I know you're trying to win games here, but you just tied it up. And you got a hitter who, frankly, has been hot that game. I actually would have left him in. I would have been curious to see what would have happened. Um, so, yeah, so that is the Indians offense. They go one, two, three with the top of the order in the ninth inning. Um, but let's take a look at what the Royals did. Let's flip this thing around because the Royals, uh, the top of their lineup was uh, doing all the damage yesterday. The top of their lineup, Merrifield, Lopez each had a hit. Salvador Perez had two hits. Benatendi had a big home run. And uh, the only other hit came from Hunter Dozier in the seventh spot. So we did a great job of keeping uh, Santana and Mondesi and Taylor and Isbell, you know, we shut them down. But the top of the order did just enough. They did just enough against us to really, to really ruin this thing for the Indians. Uh so in the first inning, they answer right back. After it looks like Aaron Savali might get into a groove, might cruise, they answer right back. Salvador Perez draws a walk. And then Andrew Benatendi takes a high fastball and launches it for a home run. And just like that, that beautiful 3 nothing lead we had, you know, most of it's wiped away. He hits it 105.7 miles per hour, 381 feet. Savali missed his target. Actually, if you watch on the walk on Salvador Perez, he throws him some off-speed pitch on the outside edge, but he throws it up and he misses up, and Salvador Perez takes the walk. Uh, That's not where uh, Roberto Perez was set up for that. He was calling for it down. If that ball is down, you know, maybe even from the waist down, somewhere in there, he probably gets strike three called. It was that close to the outside edge. It's because he left it up. So, you know, Roberto Perez has to move his glove all the way up. I think the umpire can feel that, you know, a guy missing his spot. And you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt when the catcher has to move his glove that far to catch it. And the same thing happens on Ben Attendee's home run. He's calling for a fastball down, and he leaves him whether it's a fastball cutter. He leaves it up, and he gets it hit for a home run. So they are right back in this game. Salvador Perez comes around again. This time he leads off the fourth inning with a 102 mile per hour double. Uh, let's see, what pitch was that? Let's go over to the illustrator here and see what Aaron Savali was getting hit on. And uh, the double given up to Salvador Perez was actually a slider that was away. It was a slider away. And he shoots it into center field. And this time it's Salvador Perez with a hustle double. Salvador Perez out of the batter's box thinks, I can do what Jose Ramirez does, and he legs out a double. And frankly, on a strong throw from Straw, if it throws on line, they probably throw him out. But the throw's up, you know, offline a little bit, and he's safe with a double. Like I said, all you have to do is run. They have to throw it and catch it. So uh, that's where the double is. And then I believe it's just a bunch of sack flies move him over to third, and then a sack fly brings him into score. So uh, from Carlos Santana. So Santana gets an RBI, doesn't have a hit on the day, but gets an RBI. So now they've tied it. And then he comes up again. Salvador Perez comes up again in the sixth inning. This time, guess what pitch it is? Oh, I thought it was going to be the slider again. Turns out it's the splitter. I knew it was an off-speed pitch. Throws him the splitter right down the 
pipe. And in the first inning, Manning and Underwood were talking about how you keep the ball high against Perez. That's the area he struggles in. You throw it low, he can drive it. And sure enough, this is a splitter right down the pipe at the thighs. This is in Salvador Perez's nitro zone. And he hits this thing 108.1 miles per hour out to left field for his league leading, league leading 47th home run. Unbelievable. Salvador Perez is having himself one hell of a season. So this would give the Royals the lead. They would, of course, and the Indians would tie the game. Uh, but then in the eighth inning, uh, they put in the damage against our bullpen after Isbell strikes out. Whit Merrifield with single. Uh, that would bring um, Brian Shaw into the game. And Brian Shaw, you know, Blake Parker was working on a second inning of work here. Why was Blake Parker going for a second inning of work? I don't know. That's that's strange. With all those arms in the bullpen in a tie game, what do you need Blake Parker to go two innings for? But uh, Whit Merrifield would single. That would knock him out of the game. And then Nicky Lopez would hit a triple uh, into up the left center field alley, score Whit Merrifield, who was running on the pitch. He'd be safe. It didn't matter. He was safe at third with a triple. Uh, and then on Salvador Perez up to bat, he would strike out in this at bat, but not before the ball gets underneath Roberto Perez's legs. And Nicky Lopez would come in to score on the, I don't know what they called it, a pass ball, wild pitch. What did you call it in this one? Uh, they called it a wild pitch. So uh, they really tend to blame the pitchers on these. They do not call many pass balls. Uh, so yeah, uh, Nicky Lopez comes in to score the big insurance run. And then it's a 6-4 lead and the Indians just got nothing in the ninth inning. So man, uh yeah, Brian Shaw and his freaking cutter. That guy throws the cutter so much, so much. He is in love with that cutter. And uh, let's see where this pitch was, this triple that he hit. It's a cutter, frankly, right down the middle of the plate. A little bit, a little bit left to center so that Nicky Lopez can extend his arms. And Nicky Lopez is turned into one of the best players on Kansas City. I mean, this guy, he had three hard hit balls on the day. He's hitting 301. He's got a 744 OPS. You know, not a big slugging guy, but a huge. I mean, having Whit Merrifield at the top of the lineup and then Nicky Lopez setting things up for Salvador Perez, that's just fantastic, man. If the bottom of the lineup was pulling its weight, if the pitching was pulling its weight for Kansas City, this team really would have something, you know, be something to rec- be reckoned with. Um, they just don't have enough firepower, really, uh, to compete. But the top three in this lineup, I take the top three in this lineup against any anybody's top three in baseball. I mean, it really is fantastic. And uh, Nicky Lopez, if we look at uh, the Major League leaderboard, uh, he is actually leading Kansas City Royals when it comes to war. He is the only Kansas City Royal in the top 50 in baseball when it comes to war. Um, and this is looking over on fan graphs. But where does he come in here? Nicky Lopez comes in at 28th in baseball with 4.3 war. So he really has put in a great season for uh, for the Kansas City Royals. Now you're saying, Davey, how is Salvador Perez not on that leaderboard for war? I don't know. I don't. I think his defense has actually hurt him a little bit this season. 
Um, he is not in the top 50 for war. However, when we look at some of the counting stats for home runs, he is leading all of baseball in home runs. 47 home runs ahead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at 46, ahead of Shohei Otani at 45, Marcus Simeon at 43, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, leading the National League at 41. So yeah, Salvador Perez is leading all of baseball. What about RBIs? More counting stats, leading all of baseball in RBIs, up to 118 RBIs, leading Jose Abreu at 113, Tescar Hernandez in Toronto at 112, uh, Adam Duvall at 111, Matt Olson at 109, Man, Rafael Devers at 108. Where is the National League on this thing? Finally, Nolan Arenado at 105. Um, yeah, so the counting stats, Salvador Perez is doing fantastic. But some of the more advanced metrics, now obviously not batting average. He's only hitting 276, so not in batting average. Uh, we could check slugging percentage. Where is he leading baseball in slugging percentage? He comes in at eighth in baseball in slugging percentage at four. 548. Bryce Harper is actually leading all of baseball at 617 in slugging percentage, followed by Fernando Tatis Jr. at 612. Tatis Jr. has obviously missed a little bit of time, only has 529 plate appearances. Um, Leading the American League would be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at 598 slugging percentage. Now, what about WRC Plus? You know, another one of these advanced metrics that really gives you a good picture of the entire league and everything that a guy brings to the table. Again, Salvador Perez, not in the top 30. Is he in the top 50? Uh, Salvador Perez comes in at 35th in baseball with a 127 WRC+. plus Weighted runs created plus. Bryce Harper leading this at 172, followed by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at 166, and Juan Soto from Washington at 166. Uh, where does Jose Ramirez comes in at 141 on, he has a 141 WRC plus he comes in at 14th in baseball. Jose Ramirez, obviously up here on a lot of these categories when it comes to war. Um, Jose Ramirez is at, he's really high on the list. He's at 6.4 war. I told you Juan Soto and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. were leading at 6.6. Jose Ramirez is fifth in all of baseball. When it comes to war. So, will Jose Ramirez or Salvador Perez win MVP? Salvador Perez with those counting stats, right? With those old school counting stats. The home runs, the RBIs, has a chance. I think both of these guys, their names will be maybe in the top 10. They'll get some votes. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off. Because they just don't have the advanced stats. Um... Jose Ramirez more than Jose Ramirez has some of the advanced stats in his in his corner. He doesn't have as many of the counting stats, and Salvador Perez has a lot of the counting stats. Doesn't have some of these advanced stats working for him. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. We'll get more into conversations like that. But just know Salvador Perez is having a crazy good season. Absolutely crazy good season. And once again. Frankly, the guy beats us. The guy beats us again. I mean, every at-bat impacted the game for Salvador Perez. So, uh, Aaron Savali goes down again. Last five and a third inning. Four hits. uh, Four runs. Four runs on four hits. One walk, three strikeouts, two home runs allowed. That will cause some trouble. Gives up six hard-hit balls on 90 pitches, so not terrible there. 
I wouldn't say any of his pitches were super effective. He actually threw the curveball a ton. Threw the curveball 25 times and the slider 21 times. Those are the highest pitches he threw on the day. Uh, had a 36% CSW on the curveball. Had a 50% whiff rate. So the curveball was working for him. The the hard stuff was not. Absolutely not working for him. Um, so yeah, if we look over at the illustrator for Aaron Savali, it seems like he was having trouble coming into the righties. He wasn't using all four quadrants in this one. Everything was kind of fading down and away. Uh, the curve, the slider, the split finger... Everything was kind of fading down and away for him. Even the cutters and the fastballs were going away. Uh, he just didn't challenge any of those right-handed hitters inside at all. Maybe, he, I mean, maybe this is a symptom. I don't know how many lefties versus righties were in the lineup. So maybe this is a symptom of him trying to attack the lefties inside. But it really seems like he struggled to go inside against any righty. So that's what I'm seeing from Aaron Savali here. While I look at the illustrator, when I look at his pitch location. Uh, Anthony Ghost comes in. Ghost comes in out of the bullpen and uh, goes two thirds of an inning. Doesn't get any strikeouts in this one, but puts up zeros across the board. No hits, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts on eleven pitches. And it's always fun to look at his fastball here. And once again, eight swings on that hundred mile per hour fastball. It averaged ninety nine point three. Eight swings, only one whiff, but five foul balls. Two put in play, both were weak contact. One was put at play at 67 miles per hour. One was put in play at 80.3 miles per hour. So they're sitting on the fastball. They didn't even offer at the slider. Three sliders, no swings. He missed with all three of them. Frankly, that's something he's going to have to work on. They're definitely sitting on that fastball. They're swinging. They're being aggressive. They swung at all eight of his fastballs. He threw it eight times. They swung eight times. So they're being very aggressive against this fastball. It's just not working. They're fouling everything off. So again, he's we're gonna. I know we're gonna see him probably a couple more times before this season is over. So it'll be very interesting to see if he can get that whiff rate up at all, or if they're just gonna be swinging and hacking at that fastball. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. It's a rough one for the Indians. It starts off so promising with three runs in the first inning. You think Savali could cruise and. Salvador Perez does us in. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the breakdown of uh, some MVP candidates there in Salvador Perez and uh, Jose Ramirez. That's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Kansas City. It's the Royal Six, the Indians Four. We'll be back tomorrow. We got, I believe, Plesak on the mound. Another man, these 8 10 starts are messing me up. Uh, I walked into the Winking Lizard to pick up some food, and it was like 7.30, and I was like, why don't you guys have the game on? And they're like, uh, the game starts at 8. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Kansas City. That's right. Uh, but, yeah, these games, they end late, man. Why, why can't Kansas City give us a few 6 p.m. starts? You know, start at 7 o'clock our time. Do us a couple of favors here. Another 8.10 start. Uh, in fact, we're going to finish the season with a lot of 8 o'clock starts. We're staying in the central time zone when we go to Texas, so... Um, we got Plesak going on the mound against Lynch for the Royals. And then on Thursday, it's Bieber. They've officially announced Bieber will start on Thursday. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. 
Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>